Hi, I'm Carla Balo from the Center for Automotive Research. Welcome to the Car Podcast. Bernard Swicky and I today will be talking about the NADA show. What were some of the highlights? What is it about the automotive industry that, that we need to start talking about it differently to excite people to work in the industry, to excite people to work in the dealerships? How have dealers migrated the whole shift um, through digital uh, working? And then, are happy days really here again? Let's talk about what's happening in the economics and in the global landscape. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Carla Balo, the President and CEO for the Center for Automotive Research, and I'm joined once again by Bernard Swicky, Director of Research here at CAR. And uh, we want to talk about, again, some of the hot things that are happening. It seems these days it's one thing after the other for us all. And uh, most top of mind is the uh, NADA show from not this past weekend, but the weekend previous, and some of the stories that came out of there. So we'll talk a little bit about that and then tackle some about what's happening inflation-wise. But let's start with the good news coming out of NADA. I mean, there were so many interesting things that I saw. First, you know, the dealers are all in on electrification, all in. They want to be part of it. They want to be part of the revolution. Um, they want to train the, the salespeople. They want to support the automotives as they make this transition. I mean, that was really welcome, I'm sure, for many people to hear and to, and to think about, you know, how they're going to make this transition. Um, we also, you know, heard about, you know, really how great their business has been over the past year, despite many challenges, not only including the semiconductor and vehicle shortage, but they've also had very interesting challenges in terms of workforce. And um, I don't know if you listened to this um, particular young lady who was a sales manager, but she said, rather than having people, you know, bringing people in or drawing them into our business saying it's really great to sell cars, we have to tell them really about how great the automotive industry is, how, how exciting it is that they've got all these great new products with all these great new features. It was really interesting to hear her talk. And we've often talked about maybe we should talk about the automotive industry differently and highlight different things when we're talking about recruiting. And Bernard, we're, we're actually recruiting new people here at CAR. So, um, you know, have, have we changed our tune? What do you think? You know, are we are we making the right comments about really how fabulous this business is? Yeah, you know, so Carla, thinking back to studies CAR has done on HR and workforce in the automotive industry, you know, a few years ago, we were really bemoaning the fact that consumers kind of bunched us in more and more with appliances. You know, that the mystique of the car had kind of evaporated in the consumer's eye and it was really just a means of commuting. And my belief and my hope is that electric cars, connected, automated cars, kind of are transformative, that they take us into, you know, the really hip, sexy subjects like consumer electronics, you know, the phones, the tablets, the personal wearable electronics that are dominating, I think, the minds of young people today. Uh, and, you know, this really proves that, yes, automotive plays a role in that connected and electrified 
world. And so my hope is that essentially um, the automotive dealers will benefit from what I think we're benefiting from, for example, at car, that suddenly this is a different product. It's seen differently. Um, and, you know, you can get some of these universities who are graduating a lot of engineering talent, a lot of it near some of the headquarters here for the firms. And in the past, they all left to go to the West Coast, to go work for tech, to go work uh, for startups doing any number of things. And now I think we've got a much better shot at keeping them in automotive. Yeah, and then, you know, when we think about talking about the industry differently, um, do we have to think about working differently? Meaning, you know, you always think about when you're working for a company, I, I need to relocate there if, if I'm going to work there. And the interesting thing is GM, Mary Barra, and both Jim Farley have said, no, you can work from anywhere from, for some jobs. I mean, of course, it's job dependent. But for some jobs, you can work anywhere and work for our company. It's perfectly fine. Does this you know, open the window for some of these people that we lost to Silicon Valley, to Boston, to, to Atlanta, some of these other Austin, these other hotspots? to get them to come back? Um, and, and what would we have to change, I guess, in the things that we say? You know, it, the automotive industry is really going through a tremendous transformation and there are opportunities for innovation that I think probably haven't existed in almost as long as I've been in this business. You know, how do, how do we change that and how do we change our culture so that people, regardless where they are in on a team, can be part of the organization and feel included in everything. You know, I often bring up the story, you know, we used to have great conversations at the, the water cooler or the coffee station. You'd run into somebody there and you'd start talking about, hey, I got this particular problem on a vehicle or in, in car, you know, I'm, I'm considering how to do this report. I'm not sure how. And if you weren't at that place, you weren't included. But in tomorrow's world, there's probably going to be a third or fourth person that should be included. So, you know, I would love technology to be such that you could just dial them up, you know, or you had a video camera just walking around with you and you could just, you know, call them up and get them on the screen and be in the room. But if not, I think we're challenged how to make this transition, how to make it real and how to make people feel really inclusive. And I know I've, I've strayed from the dealership a little bit here and we'll get back to that because I'm not sure and maybe I'm wrong. I would love to talk to some dealers about this, but can you have can you have salespeople that are working remotely at least a, a fair amount of the time, considering everything's so digital these days? I don't know. What do, what do you think about the culture thing and this remote salesperson, so to speak? Yeah. So, Carla, I think yes, the potential is there, and. In a way, you know, maybe one day we're going to look at the positive outcomes of a global pandemic. And this is one of them. It boosted, it accelerated that entire pace of change in remote work, in what it means to be part of a team in this new world. And, you know, maybe it did us one huge favor of making all automotive, you know, whether it's a dealership, whether it's automaker, supplier, or a think tank like a car, uh, you know, but we now operate more like um, software companies and the like. And I think we have become, as a, as a result, um, more at home. 
uh, with the kinds of ways that young people want to interact with their employer. So, you know, this is a search for a silver lining uh, and maybe it's there. Maybe that acceleration has really taken hold. Um, now to your thought about uh, remote dealership work. So absolutely, I see potential. Um, you know, the more uh, we shop, we start the process by shopping on a website. You know, there needs to be someone available by chat. A lot of it is uh, phone calls, follow-up, email, texting, things that don't really have a location-specific element to them. Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole touchless experience. So uh, I did that. Last year, I bought a vehicle, uh, sight on scene, and it was dropped off at my house. Uh, and, you know, a few years ago, that would have seen seemed pretty impossible to me. And I think I would have been uncomfortable with buying a vehicle I've never driven. Uh, and last year, you know, there I was. Uh, and by the way, I've been thrilled with the experience. It's it's really something that went very smoothly and I love the car. Yeah, I, I really am, am challenged when I think about um, the dealership experience and having, having remote and doing most of the things online. I know the last vehicle I purchased was before the pandemic, just before, but before the pandemic. And um, it was it was quite a lengthy process. And, you know, in in my case, it wasn't we're not a, I'm not a difficult customer, I don't think. But still, it took it took an extreme long time and we still didn't get any training on the product. You know, fortunately, I work in the automotive industry and I understand how a lot of these systems work, the HMI, et cetera. So it's kind of fun and a challenge for me to figure it out. But it still seemed to be a, a lengthy process. So I'm delighted now that there are systems in place and programs and um, digital tools that allows that to be so much more simplified. I think the other thing when we think about the salesperson of tomorrow is they can use those tools that they have to become knowledgeable very, very fast. So for example, if they see a new product come into the dealership, they should have a tool that they're able to look at it, read about it, understand it, try it out. And then when that customer walks in the door, they are as knowledgeable as that customer because we know, especially in the EV space, those customers are pretty darn smart. Yeah, and Carla, absolutely. And I think it's also an evolving problem, evolving in a less difficult direction. Uh, consumers are becoming more tech savvy all the time, uh, which means your average buyer has just got more experience uh, working with electronics and phones and the like when they go in and they finally see that vehicle that is now you know, looking like the Starship Enterprise when, when that dashboard lights up. Uh, and I think we've also got a transition happening in the vehicle itself where the software, the interface, the menu structure is more and more like electronics that people use at home, you know, more like your phone or other devices. And so I think that that sort of alienness of, okay, you sat down in a car for the first time and you don't know what to do is likely to decrease over time as these trends kind of continue converging and vehicles become more like the devices that people already use and people become more and more savvy with different interfaces. Uh, so I think this is a problem that will not resolve itself. You know, obviously as an industry, we have to care uh, and keep this as a very deliberate process, uh, but it definitely seems to be heading in the right direction. So, I, you know, I have some smart devices here in my house um, that do over-the-air updates. Um, my range, my refrigerator, my washer and dryer are all smart. So I know when anybody's doing laundry in my house of any kind, the washer or the dryer, I even know how long that dry laundry set in the dryer and allows me to turn it back on a fluff cycle if I want to. So, you know, technology is just doing some amazing things. 
But for example, this weekend I had my range say it needed an update. So of course I said, okay, I'll update it. But it didn't tell me what it was updating. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. never really sure. Like at Christmas time, it sent me an update too. And the first thing I noticed that happened was the timer started playing uh, ringing bells instead of having its normal annoying beep. And at Thanksgiving time, it, it did a gobble instead of uh, its normal beep. Now I could program it to do it differently, but it was kind of clever. But I didn't know, I don't know what else it did. So, you know, when we, we already have some updates. Tesla's doing some over the air and some other automakers are starting them. I may already have some. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the full scoop on that. Do we need to be more clear about what's being updated and give you the option to update it? Or should it just happen automatically? I mean, what do you expect from all the things that you have connected these days? Carla, I have a car that it does know my Wi-Fi password. You know, and I, I like to joke about, you know, uh, I don't know what it's downloading in the middle of the night sitting there in the garage. Uh, it could be anything. Um, you know, but it's interesting to me, and it's maybe an indicator of the evolution that we are undergoing here. Uh, because when my phone does an update, you know, you, you get this message and it takes forever and then it has to reboot and so on. But I never have any interest in knowing what that update was. I just assume, yeah, you made whatever better and let me carry on with my day. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've become that way with my vehicle as well. Um, you know, I used to look up each update and look at the different things that were covered. Uh, and the last few, I've just kind of hit the accept button and moved on. And I'm adapting phone thinking to how I think about my vehicle. And I know I've mentioned it in this conversation before, uh, but it's become that way with those updates. Uh, sometimes I just get in a car in the morning and I see that updates have been downloaded. And then I kind of wait to see in the user experience, what is it that changed? And sometimes there's a different menu, uh, graphics that used to be stationary now are animated, little things like that. So it almost makes you anticipate that next update. And you expect every time that it's it's going to get better and it'll add value to you. And, and, and maybe that's why we become so complacent about accepting them, right? Because everything we've accepted has actually improved the function, or at least, you know, most of the times that improves the function. So, you know, my, my theory is that as long as you get benefit, you're going to continue hitting that accept button and not think a lot about it. Um, but I think your other point was really compelling, you know, what is being downloaded? And as we connect our cars to our houses, I think we've all, if you have a, a, a Amazon Echo in your house or anything like that, I'm sure you've had the experience where suddenly Alexa's talking to you and you didn't really ask her anything. Um, and that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and you see the light come up quite often when you're talking and you wonder what's being recorded. And, you know, I guess you trust that it's being used properly, but it, it's very interesting as more and more things become digital and we have more and more doors that people can come in and explore what we're doing. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are we going to just keep accepting it or are we going to reach a point where, hey, that's that's too intrusive, enough's enough. And Carla, I would just add this. If I do have concerns, they're much more about what is my car uploading as opposed to what is it downloading? Um, you know, what kind of user information, travel information, where I've been, um, 
Uh, is the automaker sharing that, for example, with my credit card company? So you could connect where I went with what I bought and so on. Um, I know to some degree, those things just happen. Uh, and it's an entire intersection of different universes of being a, a consumer, uh, paying for things electronically, having your phone connected to your payment methods, and also location tracking at the same time. And a vehicle is just one element of all of this. But that, frankly, for me, is where I would love more clarity to better understand what is being shared, what are those uploads, and what control have I got to mm -hmm. limit what is being shared if it turns out that I look at it and I believe that it's a little bit more than I would like. Well, one funny story I can tell you, and you probably have had the same experience, I know my grocery store is tracking, tracking me because on all their apps, there's everything I buy on a regular basis. It tells me the price. And now it even tells me when it goes on sale, if I want to stop in and get it. So they know what I like and what I'm getting. And they're using that, you know, to market to me personally, which makes me feel kind of special. But at the same time, it's a little bit, oh, I maybe don't want them to know everything that I'm buying all the time. <laughs> and Carla, this is one area, it's interesting when I do presentations or when I have an out angle, we'll talk about this with the audience. And there does seem to be a little bit of an age difference when it comes to opinions on this. Um, I tend to be a little bit more concerned to want a little bit more privacy, to have fewer controls. And the younger the person that I speak with, the more they seem pretty, pretty comfortable with it. You know, eh, it doesn't really do any harm. Uh, and they've kind of grown up with it and they're a little bit more at ease with it. Um, where, you know, for me, I never even surfed the web until I was doing my undergrad in college. I didn't get a cell phone until I was maybe 25 years old. Uh, and so having grown up in a different era and having kind of been there through the adoption of these technologies one by one as, as I get older, um, I've got a little bit more concern, uh, but that does not seem to be universally shared by age groups. Yeah, I guess uh, in kind of closing this little discussion, I'd tell everybody if they haven't seen it, watch the social network, because that was that was quite compelling for me, um, you know, just to see, are you really getting your, your puppet strings pulled all the time? So let's go back to native for a moment. You know, it's all about the consumer experience that was talked about, the digitalization, how they adapted quickly in COVID, lots of wonderful things. And of course, the one of the bigger stories was profits have been better than ever through the roof. Been a great year despite not having enough product. And kind of the theme song was happy days are here again. And I heard that and I said, yes, but we're starting to see signs of maybe unhappy days or storms of brewing. Bernard, I know you've been talking to a lot of economists. What is the word on the street? Carla, I would say that dealers and automakers are both kind of being swept up by the same phenomenon, which is volume matters less than it used to. Uh, they can both benefit from uh, the increased vehicle prices, increased margins, and the fact that you move fewer units isn't necessarily uh, going to ruin your bottom line because of those transaction values. And so, you know, to me, when you look at the automotive value chain, those types of entities are in a different boat than your bread and butter automotive supplier, who is more at risk on of which product line is my product on, uh, and also total volume related. So, you know, I, I think we're seeing some of the same dynamics play out for automaker and dealer. Uh, and I certainly understand, you know, why, why they would think that way, because the results are there. The profitability in 2020 was great. 2021 is great, despite those volumes. And so, you know, I 
totally get why you would have that point of view. Uh, but you know, but you mentioned the the overall economy, and yes, I think there are at least signs to to be cautious about. So, for example, uh, one statistic that I've well, statistic, one fact that I've heard recently is that at the state level, uh, that we, there, we have states in the United States that have some economic indicators that have already dipped into a recession mode. Uh, right now, we have the Ukraine invasion underway. That's really impacting just about every factor of the global economy. And I've uh, just recently read one economist's speculation uh, that, of course, it all depends on severity and duration. Uh, but essentially, what we may be in for is perhaps a decade of global stock markets, equities markets, and so on, kind of being directionless. Uh, they seem to go up and down without necessarily um, a whole lot of overall trend. And, you know, are we going to essentially end up in a flat economy, potentially globally? Um, you know, but right now, it's very complex. In addition to pandemics, you have this situation, and they are things on which we can model scenarios and say, if this goes for so long, here are some implications. Or if it affects these factors, here are some implications. But all we can do is model scenarios. We cannot predict how long that event will take place, or how many more waves of COVID we're going to have, those things kind of lie beyond our power. So I think it's safe to prepare that maybe uh, there are going to be some economic headwinds coming up. Uh, but to predict them, you know, I'm really glad that someone else's job and not mine. Yeah, so I think we also saw the, the Fed rate increase, you know, point, 0.25%. Is that correct? In that is memory? correct, yeah. And they're saying they're going to be six more. Do you know the length of time those remaining ones, how, how spread apart they're saying? Carla, I think that they're going, to, those decisions are going to be made depending on the circumstances at that time. So it's a direction okay. signal, I think more, more than a timing signal. Uh, but we've already seen the, the boost in mortgage interest rates. Yes. Um, it had been over 4%. Slowly over 4% in the highest level since 2019. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it, it, it does not bode well for any part of the economy. Uh, vehicles, of course, we have record high transaction values, are right around $45,000 a unit right now. More and more of that is being financed over a longer duration. And the longer that duration, the more that interest rate matters. Uh, also, to keep it automotive, Automotive purchase decisions are very strongly tied to how people feel about their overall economic situation and the home you either own or want to buy but don't have the budget for is a mm -hmm. huge factor in that. So what happens with mortgage rates is something that we definitely care about in automotive. Yeah, and as you know, everything else is taking a, a bigger chunk out of our wallet every month from food to electricity. I know I, I just had to fill my propane tank. That's never pretty, but it's even less pretty these days. Um, our, our just the fuel tank, fortunately, we've seen some stabilization there, but still it's super high compared to where it was even a few short months ago. All these things together really reduce disposable income and make you think differently. They do, and incomes have been rising, but they're not keeping up with this inflation that we've had. So all these problems are going to be uh, in all likelihood exacerbated uh, unless we get a real acceleration in income growth. Uh, however, we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. We're just not seeing it at nearly the same pace that inflation is happening. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, 
automotive inflation has been outpacing overall inflation. We have our own little automotive situation that we need to worry about. And that ties back into that earlier conversation. It's uh, great for the entities who are poised to take advantage of it. Automakers and suppliers, especially, um, I'm sorry, automakers and dealers, especially automakers uh, that can really scale up the truck side of the operation will do better in that environment. Uh, but, you know, eventually we have to worry about the fact, uh, are we selling a luxury product? Uh, the average utility buyer's household income is approaching $100,000 a year. That is well out of step with the overall economy where the average household makes just over $60,000 a year. Right. And these, right. these are real questions to think about for the future. Yeah. So if we go back to that happy days are here again, I guess we would add a, a but at the end of it, right? What would you put after that but? What would your motto be? I would say something like happy days are here again, but look out for the headwinds. That sounds right. Um, the, the happy days are here again. You know, they're much better than me. I know you can. <laughs> well, you know, and frankly, the, the happy days are also dependent on who you are. Uh, well, and especially true. if you are a supplier, then that question of which product lines am I wedded to? And what are the volumes of those lines? You know, that will be critical. It'll be essentially the entire factor that decides whether these are happy days for you or not. Uh, and I think it's a little bit of an easier situation to be an automaker or dealer in this environment. Well, we'll dig into that supplier issue at, a, at another, um, in another podcast. And, you know, I think, um, I think you're exactly right. Happy days are here again, depends your viewpoint today, because for some people, it's not so happy right now. So, um, but at CAR, we're happy because we've got lots of great research to do in a world that's constantly changing like this uh, with, you know, many, many new opportunities in the automotive world. Uh, so we do. And Carla, that research is going to be done with the help of some uh, new hires who are very young, very smart, very hip. One of them actually knows how to drive a car with a manual transmission. So, um, you know, but I think the fact that we are working in this new environment and electronically and remotely helps us bring those people in and not just car, but the entire industry is going to need that factor to be part of our solution. Heck yeah. And one of those new folks are 100% remote. So we're learning as we go to. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Bernard. Always a pleasure. Have a great week. 